Good morning, and welcome to Simply Finance. It's Thursday, February 22nd. On today's show, Lloyds takes a 450 million pound provision for the FCA car finance probe, and Regions Financial is managing deposit costs while expecting Fed interest rate cuts. Plus, Lloyd sets aside 450 million pound for a motor finance probe. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Finance. We start off with a significant development in the media industry. The Financial Times, a leading global business publication, is offering a new subscription model, a move that could change the way readers access and consume quality journalism. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Finance, Can you tell us more about this new subscription model? Certainly, David. The Financial Times is offering a digital subscription for $75 per month. This gives subscribers complete digital access to the FT's quality journalism on any device. Subscribers can cancel any time during their trial. There's also an option to pay a year up front and save 20%. And what does this subscription include? The subscription includes access to the new FT Digital Edition. This is essentially today's Financial Times, cover to cover, available on any device. However, it's important to note that this subscription does not include access to FT.com or the FT app. Why is the Financial Times making this move now? The Financial Times, like many other media outlets, is adapting to the changing media landscape. With more and more readers consuming news digitally, this new subscription model allows the FT to cater to their audience's needs while also generating a steady revenue stream. And how has the response been so far? It's still early days, but the Financial Times already has over a million paying readers. This suggests that there's a strong demand for quality journalism and that readers are willing to pay for it. Thanks for the insights, James. As we continue to monitor the financial landscape, let's shift our focus to Regions Financial, which is taking steps to manage deposit costs in anticipation of the Federal Reserve's expected interest rate cuts. The bank is shortening the tenors of Certificates of Deposits, or CDs, as part of this strategy. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Finance. Can you tell us more about this move by Regions Financial? Certainly, David. Regions Financial's Chief Financial Officer, David Turner, recently spoke about this at the Bank of America Financial Services Conference. He highlighted that managing deposit costs will be a significant challenge for the bank as it prepares for the anticipated rate cuts. The bank believes that repricing its balance sheet will benefit deposit costs and thus net interest income, or NII. And how does shortening the tenor of CDs factor into this strategy? By shortening the tenor of a CD to five months, Regions Financial aims to manage costs more effectively. This move gives the bank a couple of opportunities to adjust to the changing interest rate environment. Turner also noted that the bank is starting to see not only its own promotional rates, but also those of its competitors start to come down. Can you provide some context on why banks are focusing on deposit rates? Last spring, banks increased their deposit rates to attract consumers from higher-yield alternatives like treasury bills and money market funds. This led to a rise in deposit rates, especially on CDs, which was good news for consumers but not so much for banks. By October 2023, 
America's largest banks were reportedly telling investors that their profits from high interest rates could soon take a hit as they offer their depositors higher rates. What impact does this have on banks' net interest income? Net interest income, which is the difference between the interest rate earned on loans and the interest paid on deposits, is a key metric for banks. Rising deposit costs and increased competition have been putting pressure on NII, leading to a drop in revenue for banks. Analysts and investors have been closely monitoring this. Thanks for your insights, Celeste. Now, shifting our focus to the banking sector, Lloyd's has set aside 450 million pounds to cover the potential cost of an investigation into car finance deals by the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, or FCA. The probe, launched last month, is looking into whether people have been overpaying for cars. Here to discuss this further is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Finance. Can you tell us more about this investigation? Certainly, David. The FCA is investigating whether people who believe they were charged too much for car loans are owed compensation. This follows the discovery that some lenders had allowed car dealers to adjust interest rates on loans, which would improve the commission they received. In essence, the higher the interest rate, the higher the commission. This created an incentive for brokers to increase the cost of car loans. And how has Lloyd's responded to this investigation? Lloyd's has set aside 450 me pounds to cover the potential cost of this investigation. This provision was revealed as the bank announced a significant rise in annual profits. Pre-tax profits to 7.5 billions last year, up 57% from the year before. However, the amount that Lloyd's eventually pays to cover compensation could be higher or lower than the initial amount it has set aside. Why is Lloyd's particularly exposed to any claims? Lloyd's owns one of the UK's largest motor finance providers, Black Horse, which makes it more exposed to any claims. Some analysts have even suggested that the total compensation bill could run into the billions. What has been the reaction from Lloyd's leadership to this situation? Lloyd's chief executive, Charlie Nunn, has stated that the extent of any misconduct or loss on behalf of customers, if any, remains unclear. He welcomed the FCA's announcement to look into this to provide clarity for customers in the industry. However, Matt Britzman, an equity analyst at Hargreaves Lansdowne, has said that the £450 set aside by the bank was less than some had feared, but there are question marks around how Lloyd's has come to that figure. While we continue to monitor that situation, let's shift our focus to another pressing issue. The Finance Department has once again accidentally shared confidential commercial information, marking the second such incident. This comes as new data reveals the extent of human errors behind government data breaches. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Abby. Can you give us more details about this breach? Certainly, David. The Finance Department confirmed that it emailed 236 suppliers last week, and the email contained embedded information with some third-party confidential data. This breach is particularly concerning as it follows a similar incident in November last year. What has been the response to this breach? The Shadow Finance Minister, Jane Hume, has expressed concern that such breaches could damage confidence in the procurement process. She also warned that the companies and individuals affected by this breach may exercise their rights against the Commonwealth, potentially costing taxpayers millions. And how does this incident fit into the broader context of data breaches in the government sector? 
the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner recently released data breach statistics, showing that the federal government is back in the top five sectors hit by breaches for the first time in three years. The data also reveals that the government takes longer to identify and respond to breaches than other sectors. While criminal acts are usually behind breaches in government agencies, human error is more likely to be the cause. What steps has the finance department taken in response to this breach? The department has tried to call all suppliers to ask them to delete the email and attachments. They've also stated that no third-party confidential information would have been accessed or viewed by a person who simply opened the email or its attachments. The Finance Department Secretary, Jenny Wilkinson, has directed an independent review of this breach and the November 2023 release. The review will be conducted by the former Commonwealth Ombudsman, Michael Manthorpe. What about the potential consequences of this breach? David Pocock, an independent senator for the ACT, has expressed deep concern over this repeated failure of process from the Department of Finance. He pointed out that it's very damaging for smaller firms who are now at a serious disadvantage with 236 suppliers having received their pricing details. He called for immediate action from the government to prevent a third occurrence and to initiate long overdue serious procurement reform. And how does the government sector compare to other sectors in terms of data breaches? According to the OAIC data, health sector providers had the most breaches in the six months to December 2023, with 104. The finance sector was next with 49, followed by insurance, retail, and government. Overall, two-thirds of the data breaches were from malicious or criminal attacks, while just under a third were from human error. However, in the government sector, the trend was reversed, with more breaches resulting from human error than malicious or criminal acts. What does this mean for Australian government agencies moving forward? The OAIC suggests that Australian government agencies should ensure they have effective systems for detecting, assessing, responding to, and notifying data breaches. Such systems are fundamental to an agency's ability to meet the requirements of the Notifiable Data Breaches Scheme. That was Simply Finance reporter Abby. Thanks for the insights. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Finance. We'll see you back here tomorrow.